podcasts from the Cochrane Library, the latest evidence for healthcare decision-making. Hello, I'm Mike Clark, podcast editor for the Cochrane Library. There's increasing recognition of the importance of involving patients and the public in decision-making about health services and a growing body of relevant research. In March 2023, we published a new qualitative evidence synthesis which brings some of this research together. It used co-production, and in this podcast, Rachel Planczynski, an independent parent, patient and public involvement consultant and member of Cochrane's Consumer Network Executive, speaks with two of the authors, Bronwyn Murner and Rebecca Ryan, from La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia, and the Cochrane Consumers and Communication Group, about the review and its findings. Hello, Bronwyn and Rebecca. Um, I was really pleased to hear that this review was being done. It's it's such an important topic to the consumer executive in particular. Um, and it's, so it's really good to have you join us as well for this podcast so we can hear a little more um, about how you went about it and what you found. So so just I've got a list of questions. But first of all, Rebecca, could you just tell us what the review covered and how it was carried out? Sure. Um, hello, Rachel. It's lovely to be talking to you today about this. Um, This review explores consumers and health providers' perceptions and experiences of partnering in health services committees to plan, deliver and evaluate services. So the very broad topic was identified as an important area in the priority setting exercise we undertook at the Consumers and Communication Group in 2016. We co-produced this review with an 18-member Australian stakeholder panel, which included consumers, health providers and policymakers. And this process of co-production meant that the the panel was involved from the very beginning of the review to the very end. So this was all the review stages, including the selection of the topic and the protocol development, checking studies for eligibility, data analysis, writing the review, and finally developing the best practice principles. Um, So Bronwyn, over to you. So what are the main findings and how confident are you in these findings? Thanks, Rachel. Well, the review had 19 findings in total, many of which were well supported by a range of studies. So we're confident that most of the findings won't change with more research. We The review findings were based on a total of 33 studies that were done over 20 years, so between 2000 and 2018. And they showed that successful partnering with consumers really required health providers to continually reflect and address power imbalances that that could constrain consumers' participation. And these imbalances, uh, power imbalances, were particularly acute in recruitment procedures, different meeting structures and content, as well as the decision-making processes. So just to unpack that a little bit more, Some of our specific findings were that consumer recruitment to committees occurred in different ways, but consumers only really managed the recruitment process in a a minority of studies, that recruiting a range of consumers who were reflective of the clinics or the hospital's demographic population was considered desirable, particularly by health providers, but also by some consumers. And some health providers felt that individual consumer representatives' experiences weren't actually generalisable to the broader population. And on the other hand, sometimes consumers felt that it was problematic to ask one one person or a couple of people to represent the broad range of community views. Positively, partnerships were facilitated by strong relationships between committee members in areas such as trust, accountability and shared values. So that's probably um, 
the first summary I'd go through. Excellent. Yeah, that, that is interesting. And certainly I've met, even within areas of health, you do find yourself meeting a very broad range. It's not easy to say there is one there is one consumer response to this at all. So, yeah, really good finding. Mm. Um, so tell us about best practice in involving consumers in this work. Uh, what really helped people to contribute? Well, Rachel, there are a number of different facilitators that helped consumers to contribute to uh, and and health providers too to to partnerships these included using skilled facilitators in meetings or moderators as well as having a consumer coordinator who is somebody designated just um, for the consumer representatives as their point of contact within the health service training consumers about the expectations of their role and also about meeting processes was considered important and so was training health providers in terms of consumer engagement, because often they weren't, uh, when consumers were engaged as equals on a committee, it, some health providers would not be quite sure what they could ask consumers to do or what consumers could contribute. So training in that area we found was important. We also found that providing consumer-only spaces was important for consumers so they could uh, get together and feel more empowered by speaking with other people in similar situations. And also some consumers found that less formal meeting structures made it easier to contribute. So by that, I mean situations such as subcommittees rather than that were a bit less uh, structured than a, a formal meeting. So that could be useful for, for some consumers. Also, when there were more consumers involved on, on a committee, so increasing the proportion of consumers as members on a committee was also seen as useful for consumers. Providing opportunities for consumers to shape their role and contribute their own priorities within the agenda was also seen as really important rather than just having to stick to the, the priorities that health providers had set up around the, the meeting. And also ensuring that consumers could see that they were uh, contributing to tangible changes in the planning and delivery of health services was also a key facilitator. So any particular barriers to consumer involvement? Yes, so we also found a number of barriers. For example, we found at the top level when you had a lack of government and organisational support for consumer involvement, that could really constrain the ability of both consumers and health providers wanting to involve health consumers in decision making. Uh, it could really constrain them in, in their ability to do that, which I might discuss a little bit further on. There was also when there was a lack of clarity for the consumer about what their role was on a committee and also in terms of the health providers when they didn't understand uh, what a consumer's role was on the committee, that could also be a barrier. As I've said before, having formal meeting processes could also be not very helpful for some consumers. So, for example, I'm talking about things like having to make motions or formal types of voting. So consumers who had engaged in those processes in other aspects of their life were able, found those less intimidating, but for people who might be encountering those sort of situations for the first time, it could really uh, be quite overwhelming. 
Also having a lack of opportunity for consumers to discuss their own priorities with regard to what the, the meeting was there to discuss. Consumers could also feel intimidated by health providers' technical knowledge and I guess their professional status. And also it was extremely frustrating for consumers to when they lacked decision-making power. So examples of that could be being asked to rubber stamp a decision that had already been made or feeling like they just had to go along with the decision because they were one person out of 10 and, and it was going to be difficult really to go against the grain. So that, again, links into potentially having more consumers as a proportion on your committee. And also they could their involve, uh, consumer involvement could be constrained when they felt that their expertise wasn't valued by the other committee members, which, which did happen uh, quite a lot in the studies that we found. So were any of these findings a surprise to you? Did they fit with your experiences of involving consumers? Um, and, and what did the stakeholder panel members think? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'll start uh, uh, with us as researchers. So some of the findings were surprising to us and really caused us to reflect critically on our own involvement processes. As Rebecca mentioned earlier, we were really fortunate that we were co-producing this review with a stakeholder panel that involved consumers and health providers and policymakers. And that really meant that we had we were able to implement the knowledge that we gained from those, engaging in those processes as well as the review directly into the co-production process. So an example would be when we started the review with the best of intentions, we really wanted to ensure that all of our stakeholder members felt that their contributions were equal. So we thought that the best way of doing that would be to mix everyone together in our panel meetings rather than holding separate meetings for particular stakeholder groups and that this would foster greater feelings of equality in the group. I guess then when the findings of the review started to emerge and we could check those with our consumer panel members, it actually did then become clear that they actually had found, some of the consumers had found that quite challenging to be sort of thrown into a group with policymakers and health providers and that uh, it would have actually been really good if they could meet as a group first before we started the process and have the opportunity to meet the other consumer panel members and discuss with them um, what what their feelings were. So as a result of that we we adapted our future stakeholder meetings so that we had we had time within the consumers could meet uh, on their own in a meeting room and the health providers and the policymakers could do the same. So we'd break up into smaller groups and then come back into the, the larger group. And that seemed to work much better. So that's only one example of the, the many changes that we made and would make in future. And we actually think we that we'll draft an article about our experiences co-producing the review so that others can learn from these type of experiences that we that we've had. I get I guess on the other hand, the stakeholder panel had a lot of lived experience of involvement in health service committees. And so they were less surprised by the findings. So the results certainly resonate resonated more with them. But even then, some panel members were surprised that 
some findings weren't more prominent. For example, I mentioned earlier about the need to provide training for health providers about consumer engagement. They, they, that was a finding, but it wasn't uh, as prominent as they thought that it might be, given they thought that particularly in Australian health services, that was really lacking. So they were surprised about that. And they were also quite, uh, quite surprised, I guess, that more studies didn't address how to sustain consumer involvement over time, given that uh, committees could go on for long periods of time and and how do you how how can consumers manage that and if they um, want to step off the committee for example how is that managed so that was also something they were surprised didn't come up. Mm, good stuff yeah I look forward to reading that paper and lots of interesting stuff I think as well <laughs> to, to continue to look into and think about that that sounds great. So Rebecca over to you there's clearly an awful lot of information in this review so um, how, how have you been able to, how would you distill it down into key messages for people who are at the start of their journey on involving consumers in committees, and especially those committees that are going to plan, deliver and evaluate health services, which is a little bit different to involvement actually in research? Yes, that's right, Rachel. It is, it is a bit different. There are some similarities, but it does have um, a different emphasis and you're right, this review, because it was a large piece of qualitative research drawing on a large number of studies, um, it is a very uh, in-depth and big piece of work to sort of get your head around. But we've been very fortunate, I think, by collaborating with the stakeholder panel that we've been able to develop from the findings in the review a set of best practice principles that aim to improve the consumer and health provider experience of partnering in committees. So what these principles aim to do is move the review findings closer to the point where they could be put into practice. And we'd really like to see them evaluated in future research now that we have these um, coming out of the evidence in the review. So the principles broadly cover um, a number of key areas. These are things like leadership and health service culture, equity and diversity, mutual respect, shared agendas and decision making, influence and sustainability. So they're quite broad. But within each area, we've provided in the review examples of best practice, which are derived from the findings of the review. And these are included in the review, which is available on the Cochrane Library now. Mm, yeah, good one. So what, what particular types of research are still needed in this area? What would you like to see done? Um, well, now that we have the best practice principles developed, it would be really useful to have some well-designed studies which can assess if they're effective in improving committee partnerships. Um, and that includes demonstrating an impact on patients' day-to-day -day care and other relevant outcomes. But what we also need is research about how to implement the, the principles into practice, given that there's a really well-recognised gap between research and practice, um, and to see how best we can get the, these principles into use. Mm. Yeah. Did you, um, something that I'm particularly interested in, because my background is primarily in maternity um, research and co-production, um, and I wondered, was it possible to get any sense of differences in emphasis of experience across different areas of healthcare? That's a really good question, Rachel, and I think um, it wasn't in short, um, because of the, the approach that we took. So we, we used a method called thematic synthesis to do the review. And this meant that we were looking for commonalities across studies conducted in all sorts of different settings and contexts of care, 
rather than looking for specific differences like maternal and child health care or any other difference that you could you could name. So although that means we haven't got a sense of the differences or the specifics for specific settings, the advantage of this is that by looking across settings and contexts of care, the findings and the best practice principles that we've built from the evidence um, are able to provide guidance on partnering irrespective of the setting. So also because the results were drawn from uh, a wide range of geographical contexts, which included low and middle income countries as well as high income countries. And we also drew studies across a range of settings, so not just primary care, but also hospitals, specialist and generalist facilities. The hope is that they should be applicable across a very wide range of healthcare. Yeah, so yes, so maybe your next project can be differences rather than similarities. That would be great. Yeah, get some funding. Perhaps, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah, that would be good. Okay, so, so Bronwyn, sticking with that broad view, um, it feel it does feel for often for many of us as consumers that barriers to consumer involvement have been repeated over and over again over the years. The, the, the same things keep coming up time after time, regardless of the review. Um, did you get a sense that this is an area that's improving and that there is more attention to facilitating consumer involvement? Um, and Or are there still major areas in need of improvement? And, and, and another question, sorry, this is a really big question. Um, did any of the studies in the review address the question of funding for co-production, which we often find is poorly thought out? Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, so there's, there's quite a, a few different uh, things that I probably will respond uh, with there. I guess the review shows that many factors affect partnerships, both positively and negatively. So there is still a lot of scope for improvement. What we know is that strong consumer involvement in health services really starts from the top. So in countries where governments and, and health service organisations are more supportive of consumer involvement through their policies and their funding, that's where we find, we find that consumer involvement should improve with those supports, which links in, I guess, to your question around funding. So I'll go to that. We did find that inadequate financial support for partnerships could result in negative impacts on consumer involvement. And some examples of that would be that it basically limited the implementation of consumer participation activities as a whole in health services. It could also restrict the ability of partnerships to make autonomous and or long-term decisions because they weren't, they didn't have the funding to do so. And it also impacted on issues like payment of consumer members and reimbursement of their expenses, which we know can be really important for facilitating equity and diversity in consumer participation. So even with all of this knowledge, unfortunately, there are, as you've mentioned, there are, there are still gaps in implementing this policy into practice and also gaps in implementing the research into practice, as Rebecca talked about earlier. So these improvements will by, by no means be uniform across countries and health, health systems. That said, because we do now have a really strong evidence base about what can positively influence involvement as well as what hinders it, that is really key to being able to improve involvement in the longer term. So I guess the review isn't the end of the story. It gives us a comprehensive set of findings which we can um, use to help us plan how to make improvements in future. 
We're also very keen to learn about the key facilitators and barriers to translating the knowledge that we've gained from this review into practice. So we've been really fortunate to have received a, a small pot of money from La Trobe University in Melbourne, which is where we're based, to co-design a plan to implement the best practice principles developed in the review um, into health services. So we're going to be working with consumer representatives, health practitioners, patient engagement officers and policymakers to establish the most effective strategies for translating the principles into practice. So um, watch this space for progress on that one. And if you, and if you want to, if you do want to come to the UK, I'm sure I can introduce you to more people as well who would love to talk to you about this. It's, it's a really good area to look at. So um, to sum up in a sentence or two, um, what would you say are the tangible benefits of co-production when planning, delivering and evaluating services in terms of improved patient care? That's a tricky question. And unfortunately, it's not really possible for us to answer in just a couple of sentences. The qualitative methods that we used in our review meant that we explored the perceived benefits of partnering rather than the actual benefits. But having said that, the perceived benefits do give us some clues about how partnering is, is potentially impacting on people in their day-to-day -day care. So we know, for example, that partnerships were able to deliver important gains like uh, resulting in, for example, more culturally sensitive services, which was improving access for people from, uh, for example, in one study, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia. Other, other outcomes, for example, of partnerships were securing after-hours care for patients, also improving patient resources, and also better design of the physical space of health service buildings. So these could all have a direct impact on individual patients and the care that they ultimately receive. Um, and I should also jump in and uh, just say that if we were going to measure how a patient's day-to-day -day care improved as a result of partnership, we'd need to evaluate the comparative effects of care delivered with and without the partnership. Um, so for example, in planning services for a particular group of people like patients with cancer. And this sort of study is obviously quite complex and it would require really careful planning of outcomes that are going to be measured so that we'd be able to make sense of how the partnering might lead to improvements in patient care and other outcomes that are, are really key, particularly to patients and carers. So um, related to this, Alongside this review that we've just been talking about today, we have recently also tried to investigate the effectiveness of partnering interventions, so in a companion effects review on the library. But what we found is that there were very few well-designed studies, and even in the studies that were done, the partnership uh, approach wasn't at all well reported or measured, and so that it made it pretty much impossible to work out whether the partnering approach actually impacted on the services that patient received or on the outcomes that they might have experienced or that the trial or the study measured in any sort of meaningful way. So it was quite a tricky area, I think, to investigate as well. Mm, yeah, so I think, yeah, a good point for all of us when we're talking to people who say, what's your goal? I, say, I find myself saying this a lot to people, what's your goal for consumer involvement? And they look a bit blank quite often, but you need a goal to be able to evaluate. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so thank you very much, both of you, for giving it your time today. Um, so finally, if people would like to read the full review, including those best practice principles, where can they find it? 
Um, thanks very much for your time today, Rachel. The review is now available online in the Cochrane Library. Uh, if someone goes to cochranelibrary.com and types in a search for partnering to improve health services, uh, they will see a link to it and can access it that way. Thank you both very much indeed. Thanks a lot, Thank Rachel. You. Thanks very much, Rachel.